Good to be here this morning. Yes. All right, so we are in the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 20, from verse 1 to 30. So you can open your Bible or your devices from Second Chronicles. It's in the Old Testament after Kings. Second Chronicles, chapter 20. Second Chronicles, chapter 20, from verse 1 to 30. Uh, we're not going to read all of it, but I'm going to ch- touch bases in a few places there. Great. Are you there? So I'm going to read from verse, a few verses, and then you will carry on. In verse 1, it says, After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of Meunites, hmm, so many Meunites and Knights, but anyway, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the, the sea. And behold, they are in Hazotamar, that is in Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed the fast throughout all Judah. And, and Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Let me just give you a quick uh, background of, this, uh, the, of the story. Or oh, let me tell you just the story, what's going on, so that you can be able to understand when, we start, uh, when I start uh, like sharing the message. Is, uh, so the Israel, the people of Israel, they left the Egypt, they entered the, the Canaan, the, the promised land. Now it was a kingdom. And that kingdom, the first king was Saul. And then from Saul came King David. From King David then came King Solomon. After King Solomon, there was a quarrel, the disagreement, and then the kingdom was divided in two. So there were ten tribes, they became Israel, and then the other two tribes, they became Judah. Now, here in this story, in Second Chronicles, is about Judah, this nation with only two tribes. So what happens is that now, this, the, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meunites, oh, I got them nice, <laughs> yeah, these guys, they, they, they put the army together to come and destroy Judah, the nation, this nation. And the, at this time, their king was called Jehoshaphat. And what happened to them is that Jehoshaphat then went before God, and he prayed, and after praying, Oh, God did some amazing miracle things that he delivered them or saved them from their enemy by going to defeat those enemies. What he did, he turned the armies of those enemies against each other. So they fought one another and they killed one another. And then after that, God said, told the Israelites, like, listen, now you can go to the battle. And then the Israelites, when they arrived in the battlefield, they found everyone dead. I'm like, what happened? We thought we were coming to fight, but actually they found everyone dead. But then he, listen to verse 25, and then he said, when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them the great number of goods, clothing, and precious things, which they took for themselves until they could care no more. They were three days in taking the spoil. It was so much. How, how amazing that you're thinking that you're going to war, but actually you weren't there, just there to get 
a blessing, a lot of things you get from your enemies. But look, listen again in verse 29 in our passage, it says this. Say, and the fear of God came in all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemy of Israel. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for your greatness. Thank you so much for your word. And today, Lord Jesus, we pray that you... May you be with us, Lord Jesus, this morning. Help us to listen to you, speak to us. Father, teach us something special and new this morning. And we pray that your spirit may be so powerful in this place and help us, Lord Jesus, to, to be people that hear you and live according to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 In the beginning of the year... Most of us put together something we call resolutions. I did my resolutions. We did our resolution, me and my wife. And the, but the, our resolutions are so ambitious. And the, they're so ambitious. And as well, they, they are so self-centered to a point that when we reach June, July, we have this thing that I call it, we have resolution fatigue. <laughs> so what happened is that because most of our resolutions are all about ourselves, me, myself, and I. I want to get a bigger house. I want to renovate the shower. I want, to, I want to further my studies. I want to save more money. I want that and that and that. But if you look on this resolution, you see nothing about God. What about you in your resolution? You put this, I want to increase my tide this year. Hello? I want to help a family probably here in church that is struggling. I want, to, I want to tell at least every month one person about Jesus. I want to grow my relationship with God. I want to read the Bible in the whole year. Hello? So because there's so much self-interest in our resolution or ambition, it takes so much of us. But this time of the year, we're so frustrated. God is not in the picture. And then his presence and his power cannot be experienced. Well, I hope to experience God today in a new dimension. I dream to experience God in a new way. And this morning, I want to speak to you experiencing God's power. We serve a God who wants to do exceedingly and abundantly great things beyond our imagination. That's the God we serve. Remember, this, the God we serve is the God, that, the God that created heaven and earth. The same God that opened the Red Sea. The same God that, that healed many and many people. The same God that saved you and me. This God is so powerful. But how do we experience his power? How do we experience his power? 
Uh, this, this passage gives us some few pointers, and I want us to walk through together this morning. So to experience God's power, point number one is fear not, but walk in faith. Fear not, but walk in faith. Now, I want to listen here. This is amazing. So, verse 3, Jehoshaphat was afraid, it says there. So, fear is a negative reaction when we face problem or danger. And it's okay. Okay? It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be scared. When sometimes we get those medical results, we are scared. When sometimes our retrenchment is looming, we are scared. We are scared for many things in our life. And indeed, enemies will always throw certain problems or things in our life. And sometimes you get scared. So normally the initial reaction, reaction when we face something that's threatening our livelihood, we are fearful. We can understand that. But in our test, we see something amazing. Verse 1 and 2, we, we are told that the Moabite, the Ammonite, the Meunite, gather together, they form a coalition to come against people of God. Actually, scholars, they say this. They say this was one of the greatest armies in that time that has come against Israel. They'd never had an army like that coming against Israel. So Jehoshaphat confessed to God that, God, we are powerless. There's nothing they could do to get out of it. They didn't have resources. They didn't have weapons. They didn't have manpower. They were powerless. They were miserable. They were hopeful or hopeless. They, were, they had nowhere to turn but up. So it's true that sometimes in life we find ourselves in the place where we, we are powerless and afraid. Am I talking to someone here? Jehoshaphat was afraid. I believe you have been afraid before. Or probably you're afraid right now. You long to see God's power manifested in your life. This thing is interrupting me. My flow. <laughs> You long to see God's power manifesting in your life. Let's learn something from Jehoshaphat, what he did. So Jehoshaphat, he heard these armies coming to destroy them. He was afraid, but then what he did is this. Listen to me, this is amazing. He did, he set his face before God. Verse 3, if you read it, it says there, he turned his face before God. I want you to, I want you to see this. So Jehoshaphat here made the decision that he is not going to remain in fear, but is going to walk in faith. Jehoshaphat set his face. Your face, your face is a strong outward indicator of what is going on inwardly. If you are sad, we can see in your face. If you are worried, we can see in your face. So the idea of setting up his face means you turning away from something and direct your attention to something else. So let me say this. Whatever has your attention, whatever has your face has your attention. Let me give an example, especially moms. 
You are sitting, you are at home, you are on the phone, there's something really worried in the phone, you are like talking, talking, and then, or you are cooking something, you are like busy, like you're so concentrated, and then suddenly your child comes, mommy, 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 mommy. And you're like, oh, mommy, 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 oh. And then the child continues to nagging you, and then the mother turns the face. You know that face, eh? You know that face. I think the children know that face, the mother's face. She doesn't have to say a word, you know? Just the face. Actually, the child will regret, why did they even call mom? <laughs> You know, so what happened at that moment is this. The mother, she turned off what she was doing, whether in the phone, whatever it is, she turned her attention to the child. Whatever has your face has your attention. So Jehoshaphat, what he did here is this. He said, I am going to set my face to God, not my Some of you here have to decide to turn your face away from the problem and turn your face to God. This is not once off decision, it's an ongoing decision. I have to decide to look to God. I have to decide to look to God. I have to decide to look for God to, to God. The problems are appearing here. I'm not going to dwell in those problems. Yes, I'm afraid, but I'm not going to dwell in those problems. I'm going to look to God. God, you have got my face, not my finances. God, you've got my face, not my unemployment. God, you've got my face, but not, and not my sickness. Turn your face to God. Awaken life church. Who has got your face? Who has got your face this morning? When trouble comes, you have to make up your mind. What is going to get my face? Problem or God? I'm not going to meditate in my problem. I'm going to pray and fast. That's what Jehoshaphat did. Do you know that if my problem gets my face, then worries sets in. Do you know that worrying doesn't do anything? Like seriously, have you ever heard someone who was worried so much that he got blessed because of worrying? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, 33, says, Jesus says, which of you by worrying can add a single hour to your lifespan? They give you nothing. Worrying will not make you pregnant. Worry will not get you a job. Worry cannot going, uh, is not going to heal you. Worrying can't do anything apart giving you ugly face. Stop worrying. Turn your face to God. (laughs) 
You want to experience God's power this morning? Fear not, but walk in faith. By turning your, your face to God. Turn your face to God. So to experience God's power, secondly, we need to call upon our God, God's promises. This is what happened. Jehoshaphat, so what he did is he called everyone, let's go and fast and pray, but then they prayed. So Jehoshaphat's prayer, like from verse 5 in our passage, you'll see it can be summarized in two words. You promise. You promise. Oh, you said, or you did this. Just two words. You promised. Oh, you said. So Jehoshaphat, the way Jehoshaphat prays is that he takes scripture and reminds God of his promises. God, you said. God, you said. God, you promised. God, you promised. So he's not reminding God because God has short-term memories. No. He is obligating God to his word. If there is, there is one thing that the little kids don't forget are those two, two words. You promise. <laughs> Parents, you know that. Be careful in your promises because they're going to wake you at night. You promise. You promised. Some of us will not see God move, move in a powerful way. It's because in order to tell God, hear me here, to tell God you promise, you have to know the promises, don't you? If you want to experience God's power, get the book in you. Hallelujah. Get this book in you. So don't go to the throne room with just worries. Take this book with you. Take this book with you. Take this book and take these promises in the lap of God. There will be time that you will be saying, you promise. You promise. But the challenge is this, friends. If you do not know the promise of God, you're going to go in the throne room empty. You're going to carry only your worries, your problems to the throne room. And the only thing you do there is say, oh, I have this, I have this, I have this, I have this, I have this. No, don't care only that. Take the promise of God before God. God, you promised. You know, you know as, as, as a parent, you get caught with your words because of promising the kids. Like seriously, like you're arriving home, like you're tired, you promise to take your kid to go to, to the park or something, and then the kid, mom or dad, you promise. What do you do? You have to live up to your word. Even if you're tired, you have to go because you promised. Ah, eat up the veggies. After veggies, you're going to give you a cake. The child squeezes the veggies. 
And then, you promised. You have to give the child a cake. So it's the same thing. When you go to the throne room of God, we take the word of God with us and say, God, you promised. I am in financial difficulty, but you promised, you promised my God. My God will always supply all my needs. Hallelujah. God, you promised that if I train my child in the ways of God, when he's older, he's not going to turn away from you. You promised. You promised. I know, I can see there's so much things happening. The enemies are coming and so on, but you promised that there's no weapon can come against me. You promised. You promised. Take the promises of God before him. Do you want to experience God's power beyond the normal? You have to be very familiar with his promises. You have to carry those promises to the throne room with you. Thirdly, the power of God is experienced through fast and prayer. There's this guy called David Platt. He said this word about fasting. He said, fasting is the means by which we say to God, more than our stomach wants food, our soul wants you. Did you know that God has designed your life that certain victories can only be experienced through fasting? So you don't agree with me? Okay. Let me give you some evidence. The disciples were there, like they were standing there, like they started rebuking this child, the child who was demon possessed. In the name of Jesus, get out, demon! Nothing happened. Jesus came. Jesus, one word. Demon, get out. And the demon went out. And he said, like, hello, Jesus, what happened? We've been rebuking this demon for a long time. And what Jesus said? Huh? Yes. Yes. There are certain things they can get out without fast and prayer. There are certain victories in our Christian walk. We cannot achieve them unless we fast and pray. So Jesus said, this kind, this kind, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. So we need to go, so let me say this. There are certain victories that you will never experience in your life unless you go deep with, with God through the doorway of fasting and prayer. I believe many of us have been swim, we went swimming sometimes in the sea, but most of the time, do you know where we swim? In the shallows, right? Just walk up to here, hey. But do you think, do we experience the whole greatness of the ocean? In the shallows? No. We don't. But if you want to experience the greatness of the ocean, you need to have what? Oxygen mask. Eh? And the oxygen bottle. And you go deep. And then you will see the beauty of the ocean. You see all other things. 
Ah, that's what fasting does. Fasting is not a magical wand that you use to manipulate God. But it is our divine scuba gear. Hallelujah. It was divine scuba gears that lets us what, go deep, deep in God's presence for us to experience this dimension of God. It's incredible. Like if you read in the Old Testament, it's, it's always there. When the Israelites are in trouble, they fast and pray. When there's an attack, they fast and pray. When God is about to destroy a city, they fast and pray. And God somehow turns. And we found it's not something new. Jesus himself fasted and prayed. So Christians, brothers and sisters, Fasting is so powerful that the enemy is starting taking it out of our churches, pushing us away from fasting because it's so how powerful fasting is. It's so powerful that it shakes people, shakes nation. And it's more powerful when we do it together. Jehoshaphat was not praying and fasting by himself. He said, come on, the whole nation, let's fast. There's power in fasting, but if there are more than two people, oh, there's more power. There's one guy, uh, I read his story, it's Pastor, Pastor, Pastor Jim Kim from Korea. He said, so they, they, they were planning a crusade like for many thousands of people, but then they went to ask for a payment and they couldn't, they couldn't get the payment. They refused to give them because they said it's too many people to control. So it, actually they were expecting one million people, something like that. But anyway, so then they came together, a group of them, they went to the mountain. They spent 40 days fasting and praying. 40 days. And when they came down, they went back to the police station they arrived there and said, we're coming here because we need the permit for the crusade. And the, the officer said, haven't you heard? What? That, that permit was signed a week ago. These guys were in the mountain still. God was doing things, things out, out there. So, do you think that we have uh, enemy, enemies attacking us? Yes, in many directions. So why do we sit and do nothing about it? Our brothers and sisters are not well. Sunday after Sunday, Pastor Dio reads this list of people who are not well. We need to come together and say, enough is enough. Enough is enough. We come together as people of God and say, we want to fast and pray so that this can be broken. Our brothers and sisters are struggling financially. Let's hold hands together and fast and pray. When did we last see mass conversion? We long for that. Let's hold hands together and fast and pray. The enemy is attacking us. We should respond in fast and pray. Let me say this. When last did you fast and pray?
When did last did you fast and pray? There's a guy called John Piper. He says this: hunger pains are God's trumpet call to prayer. So let me say this: fasting is not only staying hungry. It's mostly just taking some break on things that you lack the most. Like for example, your coffee. I've heard people like, oh, I can't function without coffee. I think you are ripe for you to fast. <laughs> it's a moment to say, like, this week, no coffee. I'm gonna. Then what happened is this. What this guy said that hunger pains are God's trumpet calls for prayer. That moment you feel that urge, like, coffee, 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 coffee. It's like, prayer, 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 prayer. Let's fast, people of God, and pray. You can take a week or two without sugar. Hmm? Sugar. You can fast sugar. You can take a week or two or a month, no TV. Hello, sports fan. No TV. In that moment, you feel like, oh, man, this, that team is playing. Oh, my goodness. It's a trumpet call for you to pray. It's time to pray. So, dear friends, there are certain things, certain victories we cannot experience if we do not go deep and fast and pray. We're having a few weeks' time, we have this uh, healing service that we're going to have. It's a moment for us to go deep. To go deep. Let's dive in, friends. Come together in a group who say, okay, this week we're not having coffee. I'm talking about the coffeeholics. <laughs> but it is time, friends, for us to take drastic measures. Lastly, number four, God, please do it again. If you read a, 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 like a church history, you'll hear something called the Great Awakening. Okay? So let me give you a, a, what happened. It's like the Great Awakening is a time where the Holy Spirit was poured so powerfully in an incredible way. And there were some guys who were leading that time. A guy called Jonathan Edwards. There's another guy called George Whitfield. There's another guy called uh, John Wesley. He started the Methodist church. Uh, what happened is like, this guy, wherever they went, they preached. The Holy Spirit was pouring, doing an amazing thing. So there was, there was a story of a slave. So he enjoyed this guy, what's called uh, George Whitfield preaching. So he enjoyed so much that he, uh, when he was working in his, at his slave master's house, whatever, so he started preaching uh, like George Field. Yeah, in the name of Jesus. So, so, so on. Like uh, uh, Whitfield, he was a British guy, probably with a British accent. So he was preaching, and then the slave master started laughing at him. He laughed at him uh, to a point that he found like it was, it was such a joke. And then he called other slave masters. He's like, guys, come. I have entertainment for you guys. So they sit down with their drinks and so on. They start what? Drinking, and they call this slave. Come. And they put him in a chair. Stand in the chair, yes. Come. Imitate George Whitfield. Do it again. And... The, the, the slave had to do it. 
And he started doing it, and then he reached that part of the gospel. like, in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ, he came from heaven. He died for your sins. These guys, they were laughing, and suddenly, this guy is preaching, and suddenly, this guy, they start crying. They start crying, they start crying, they're all crying, and then this, the, slave must, the slave couldn't believe he's standing in a chair, and these guys are kneeling down. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. And he, can you see how powerful, how powerful it was? Some of us might say, oh, uh, that doesn't happen anymore. Eh? <laughs> I'm here to tell you that God that we serve is not dead. He's alive. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He did not change. The God that, he, the, the God that did great miracles during the, uh, the book of Acts, he is the same God. The God that opened the Red Sea, he is the same God. The God that, he, that poured his spirit during the great awakening, he is the same God. The God that saved you, he is the same God. Yesterday, today, and forever. He lives and he can do great things today even. Let me read just a scripture in Habakkuk chapter, two, chapter 3, verse 2. It says like this. Don't need to go there. I'm going to read it for you. It says, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. It says, Oh Lord, I've heard the report of you and your work. Oh Lord, do I fear? In the midst of the years, revive it. So he's saying, God, do it again. I heard what you did in the past. Do it again. So what he's saying is that, God, I don't want you to only be in the past. I don't want you to only be in the history. I don't want to just read about you. I want to live it now. That God has showed up in Acts, in a great awakening, I don't want just to read about it. I want to experience him. I want to experience his power. The saving power of God. The healing power of God. The renewing power of God. I want to experience it now. We want to see what we call revival. Hallelujah. We want to see revival. And revive in our lifetime. Because God is not a God of history. God is, is a God who is alive and is alive and is alive and doing so well. Oh, our praise this morning, we're saying, God, do it again. I want to see him renewing marriages. We want to see him renewing families. We want to see him renewing our city. We want to see him renewing our lives. I want to see him doing great things in this generation. I want to experience his power. I want to experience the power of the Pentecost unleashed upon Pretoria. Hallelujah. If you want to see God to do it again, remember what Jehoshaphat did. He was afraid, but he did not dwell in his fear. He turned his face before God. Let's turn our face before God every single day. Yes, we have problems. 
Yes, things will come. Things will pile. But let's turn our face before God. But again, it's not only that. Let's take the promises of God in the throne room of God with us. You promised God. Yes, remind him. You promised. But not only that, let's put our a scuba gear of fast and prayer so that we can go deep in the presence of God. Are you with me this morning? Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your love. And thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to hear your word this morning. Father, pray that you may your power be manifested in our life, Lord. We want to see you in a new dimension. Yes, we experienced you in many ways already. We, have saved, we are saved. We got a healing in many places, in many ways. But we know that you can do more. Amen. You can do more, Lord Jesus. And today, Lord Jesus, we trust in you that, you that you're going to do great things in our lives. Great things in our church. Great things in life with every single person. Because we know that you are alive and well. And you live today and you are God who is so powerful. You created everything. You made us in your image and you give us eternal life. You have the keys of life and death. You are God who is so powerful and we know that you can do great things in our life. And today, Lord Jesus, we submit before you and say, Lord, we are going to fear not, but we are going to walk with faith. And you're going to live your life, Lord Jesus, always reminding of your promise. But again, Lord, we pray that you're going to help us to always set apart time for you in fasting and prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you.